Ananian. If you've made it this far in the summer uh, with your vehicle, then and you haven't had it serviced in a while, maybe now's the time because you don't want to push the envelope. Maybe now's a good time to get things checked out under the hood. The car doctor. I would get a rebuild kit. Yeah. Listen, you're opening up the yeah. car. I would get a rebuild kit. I'd look, yeah. at, I'd look at the float, the needle, the seat, go through all the O-rings, anything that touched fuel the past nine years. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, whatever they might be. Ron and Andy and the car doctor at your service. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Podcasting available there and so on and so forth. Um, wild and woolly week in the shop. It was... Uh, it was a long week. Actually, it was kind of a short, long week. We took Friday off because it was a mental health day, and uh, Ron so decreed it, and we kind of banged it up and locked it up Thursday night and got all our cars done and said, you know what, it's, uh, let's celebrate. Summer's going to go by too quick. It is. I mean, it's here it is, August already, right? We're a month from Labor Day, two months from Halloween, three months from Thanksgiving, and so on, and like, ay, 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 you know, it just kind of just rockets by. So uh, I said, you know what, let's get some R&R time in, and off we went. So yesterday morning, imagine my surprise, I, I've been trying to get a key made for the new addition to the fa family fleet, the uh, 18 Ford Explorer, my Ford scan tool, my IDS, I have the same you know, scan tool as dealer, doesn't have licensing software, it's another license I have to buy, another test I have to take, another application I have to fill out, and I haven't gotten around to it truthfully, it's just been too busy that, uh, to get locksmith capability on a later model Ford product, and a lot of later models on a lot of vehicles, it's not just Fords, it's, I think it begins um, starting in model year 2013 on various cars, but by model year 2018 it's across the fleet because they're, they're trying to lock down access to keys and key codes and, and, and things of that nature, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I think you just pick up a car with a flatbed if you really want to steal it. Listen, if they want to steal it, it's going. So it's, you know, who cares? But regardless, I found myself at the local Ford dealer, the nice folks over here at Mawa Ford, and uh, sat down Friday morning, um, walked in unsuspecting, unbeknownst to them, uh, what my, you know, it's kind of like being, you know, Batman. It's like, what's your alter ego? You walk in with no cape, and uh, you just kind of sit down and be one of the masses, and you get to watch the show. And there's something special about Friday morning in any repair facility, and dealerships are no different. You get to sit down, and, and, and you can read the week. You knew what kind of week it had been by the look on the service writers' faces. And a good bunch of people, you could, you could see that they genuinely cared about what they did and what they were doing and their customers. And um, some of them were tired. It was Friday morning, shake the bugs out of your eyes, have the cup of coffee, get the day started. But it was fun. It was like being on vacation for me. I went in and said, hi, you know, Ron, RA Automotive. I called. I spoke to Janessa. Where's Janessa? And Janessa raised her hand and said, here I am. I said, great. I said, listen, I think, uh, I think, I think Rich in parts. And she said, yes, I had called ahead to, you know, because you just can't walk in cold like that. I just, I wasn't going to do that. And, you know, it's, they've got things going on. I just can't show up. I don't expect that. And they were kind enough to 
take me in to, to do the programming on the key so that at least I had more than one key because keys are getting to be a pain in the neck, right? You, you, you lose one key and where are you? And you lose that second key and it's no good. So imagine sitting in the room and, you know, it's just the, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, and six. The young lady was in the corner um, and myself. So we're, we're, we're six people, right? And we're car people. And, you know, it's 7.30, 20 minutes to 8 on a Friday morning, and it's kind of sleepy yet, and you have 10 minutes of nothing to do. Just wake up. And somehow, I know how, the conversation got steered towards cars. Because you kind of like to, you, you want to kind of poke the bear a little bit. You know, what are you dealing with? It's, And you want to hear, everybody's got a story, and some of the car stories are just great ones. They really are. You can just... You figure out who people are and, and, and why they're doing what they're doing. I've been in a lot of dealerships over my career in, in, in both fixing cars and, and doing radio the past 28 years. And I have to tell you that the staff at Mawa Ford really is a rare jewel in the sense of the amount of experience and care that's, that's in that room. Janessa had been at a few different dealerships. She's, she was at Audi. Um, I believe she said she was at Chrysler, and she ended up at Ford. Maybe she was at Honda, too. There was a couple of them. And I asked her why. I said, you know, you know, from this one to that one to this one, and the impression I got was she really enjoys what she does. She likes cars. She likes helping people. She's a car person, but she's just looking for the right place. You know, we're all looking for that right place in life, right? That's what makes us human beings. We're all just looking for that spot. Everybody wants a spot. And, you know, I could go around and tell you each individual. Um, there was a young lady sitting next to Shannon. I didn't get her name. That we were talking about something, and I said, can't you just wait for the rush of people to come in? And I said, winkingly, I said, something to the effect that maybe you'll get somebody that's going to explain to you why their new car shouldn't be broken. And her reaction was, oh, no. No, no, no. We, 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 no, not this week. No, no. We, we, that's all she kept saying. It reminded me of those scenes in the, you know, in the movies where the person cracks up and the medics kind of take him away and give him a shot to calm him down because you could see she was, she had suffered a lot. There was a traumatic shock this week that just didn't go over well. And then Shannon got involved. Shannon, a uh, young lady, she's into classic cars. She, she owns an early 70s Chevelle and she's been to Carlisle and, just not what you would expect. You know, we, we talked about how young people today, a lot of them don't drive. And, you know, this was like that rare spot where kids get into cars. And I say kids because I'm older now, right? I'm allowed to say kids. And they were very intrigued and involved to be part of the process of repairing cars, enjoying cars, seeing them for what they were. The person in the corner, and I failed to get her name, there was just so much conversation going on, uh, explained to me that, and I, I'm not sure what her capacity was. I don't know if she was the appointment coordinator or if she was assistant service manager, but she explained to me that as a young girl, four or five years old, her grandfather taught her how to change a flat. And over the years, she learned how to work on cars and it just kind of stuck. And if she has one disappointment in newer cars, it's they're all alike. There's no personality to a new car. It it and she's right, you know, it's 
they all kind of look like hard hats going down the road sometimes. That's what I think to myself. There's no, there's no standout. There's no oomph. And she said her greatest joy is sitting in a car that has some, well, in, in my words, but, but her thoughts, it was bark, bite, and feel to it. That she knows she's sitting in a car. It makes her feel alive. It was very different. It's not, it was, it, it's not a conversation I've had in a new car dealership in a long, long time. There was a lot of passion in the room. And I think that's what you need today to work on cars. You need passion and compassion. And they had both. And they're like a microcosm of the way it was 25 years ago about people that just you know, sure they want to, you know, they want to do their job and they want to, they they want to move the day along, but they want to help people fix cars. And you could get that sense they were really car people. They weren't, they weren't salesmen per se. And it was, it was just very refreshing and it was enjoyable to see how they handled an, an outsider like me walking in, and they didn't make me feel like I was in the way. Um, they actually extorted, you know, gee, we got to get you to hang out here all day. Of course, I got to tell them what all the car names really mean. I didn't tell them all the car names, um, but I told them what Toyota and Honda stands for, and they, they really enjoyed that uh, because I, I've got a feeling that um, Toyota and Honda tends to drive them crazy. They hear about everybody else's cars, and um, now they've got something to come back at them with. So I'm going to have to stop back and, you know, perhaps – find another reason to sit in the room and see if I can extort an interview or two out of them because I think there's a lot when you've got a, a, a group of service writers of six people and four of the six are women and they're so darn good at their job in, in what was once a male dominated industry and these, the, these, these, these four women are just stellar the guys are no slouches, they knew their gig but these women have worked really hard and I think there's a um, there's something about empowering women, right, and in the way they approach it, that they're not afraid to be self-thinkers, and you, you could see that in what they did. I was very, very impressed, very impressed. Um, they got the job done. Half hour I was out the door. Maybe it was a little longer. I think they were kind of dragging their heels because they were enjoying the conversation, um, you know, just talking about cars and the way cars were and the way cars could be and what the future of the industry looks like. So, uh you know, just a just a good time. If they if they ever happen to get this broadcast, I want to say thank you. It was like being on vacation for me. Um, I got to spend a very refreshing morning getting my day started. Um, to the folks over there at Mawa Ford Service, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back to answer your questions right after this. Don't go away. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Hey, let's get on over and talk to Jack in Connecticut 11 Chevy Traverse. Jack, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help you? Uh, hi, Ron. I have a 2011 Chevy Traverse with 160,000 miles. Okay. And, and I, I love the car. It runs beautiful. Easy to work on. But uh, the last couple months, I've been having a problem where uh, when I'm on the highway and I'm in, like, say, even say cruise control, uh, if a slight incline comes, the car starts bucking. And, and, and let me tell you, if, say I'm on a straightaway at, uh, say, at 65 and it's not bucking, I can see the RPMs fluctuating. And, like, so what I've done so far is I've changed the oxygen sensors, all four of them, 
I changed the plugs, changed the coils, and I changed the mass um, air sensor. And I haven't had any codes in uh, over at least a month. The last codes I had were uh, P420 and P299. I said that was like a month ago before I changed the oxygen sensors. And since then, I have not had a code. And also, I had uh, somebody at work had this blue driver. So we drove around monitoring the car, and it, it, nothing popped up. P0420, your cat, is a, is a cat code. 299 doesn't ring a bell. But P0420 is a cat fault generally won't cause a, a situation like you're describing. Now, let me ask you this question. Out of everything you've done, have you looked at data stream at all to look at fuel trim numbers? The fuel, I see the fuel trim they did look at, and it was very good. What was it? What was it? I, I don't know if this unit that they have does it quick enough, does it not, if you know what I mean, like, like takes um, readings quick enough. That's okay. what I was thinking. Let me, let me ask I you this, Jack. I a bunch of engineers, and they're like, they drive me crazy. All the, all, all the money you spent on parts, how much money you figure you got in parts in this car now? Three, four hundred bucks? Yeah, four hundred, right. probably four hundred. Yeah. Um, why don't you own a scan tool? If you're gonna, I have uh, a, go ahead. I have a, I have a, what do you call it, Zareer. Which scan tool would you recommend? Something that'll give you a data stream that's in your budget. And, you know, the scan tool market today is flooded with so many choices. You're looking for, if, if I wasn't in the business anymore and I wanted a scan tool, the first place I'd go is eBay and buy something used that was high-end in its day. But, you know, this is an older car and I don't need, I don't need latest technology for an 11 Traverse. I would be, right. I would go buy an older Snap-on Modus or something, and you know, I'm sure, it's been a thousand bucks or fifteen hundred bucks, but it'll probably last a good long time, and it's a big wide screen, and uh, you know, or I would look for something in in the way of OBD2 capability, and this way at least all the all the numbers and all the PIDs, all the pieces of data are the same from vehicle to vehicle, and you know, regardless of manufacturer. But I wouldn't spend, and I'm not picking on you, don't misunderstand me, I'm just trying to make a point, that I wouldn't spend four or $500 throwing parts at something until I knew what I was doing. Because in a lot of cases, I can make the situation worse. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're inviting the opportunity for bad new parts, um, wrong new parts, or improperly installed new parts and creating a whole other scenario. And it can happen. You're you're just yeah. better off doing a diagnosis. So let's start over. Where I would where I would watch this car. Uh, there's a couple of things I would look at. I would be watching fuel trim while I'm driving. I would have a real good understanding of fuel trim. All right. right. I, I would understand short term fuel trim, long term fuel trim. Long term is history. Short term is in the moment. If if zero is a balanced air fuel mixture. On short term, we're going to typically see plus or minus eight, nine, ten percent, depending upon the vehicle application load and so on. The key comes back to where does long term, where does short term drive long term? You generally don't see long term fuel trim exceeding twelve to fifteen percent. When you see it start to creep up past fifteen percent. It's being pushed by short-term, and there's a problem. And when combined short- and long-term fuel trim, again, depending upon vehicle and manufacturer, exceeds 22 to 25%, generally that's when you get a fault, all right? And it can be negative or positive. If it's positive, it's adding fuel. If it's negative, it's taking fuel away. What's common with the traverses, 
and other GM vehicles of this generation are injector issues, clogged injectors, bad injectors, and you will start to see it as misfires. Sometimes it comes up as a P0300 misfire fault. Sometimes right. it comes up as a, as a direct misfire on a specific cylinder. Now, you may not see this in pending or current trouble codes. You've got to, and here we are, you've got to have a scan tool that breaks down mode six into English, and you can look at that pre-check engine light fault. All right. In other words, it's it's the same story I always say about you start to get a sore throat on Monday, but you're not really sick until Wednesday. Monday is when your your computer ran the mode six test, saying, "Hey, I think what's going on. Hey, I think I'm getting a sore throat." And by Tuesday and Wednesday, by Wednesday, you've got a runny nose and a, and a, and a sore throat, full blown, and you're sick. And you wake up and you go, oh, "I don't want to go to work today." Um, that's when your check engine light went on. Car computers do the same thing. They're always running pre-fault tests, if you will, to determine yep. actual condition. So learning a little bit about Mode 6 would really help you. Um, I know. Well, when we went out and, and drove around with that uh, blue driver, which is only a $100 item, right? and it works through your phone, we were looking at Mode 6 and nothing popped up, so it's okay. probably too cheap of a device. Well, and the other thing you got to think about is all these things that work on your phone are great. They'll give you information, but how fast are they updating their information and how fast are they actually giving it to you? All right? You right. know, speed is essential. That's why, you know, look at all the things we do with our smartphones now and CPUs, and the bigger CPU does more. That's why you sort of need a handheld scan tool. The argument can be made. But regardless, okay, um, take a look at fuel trim. Be aware, could this be a trans issue? All right? Here's what I want you to do, and then call me back next week. Find that level flat road, all right? Get your RPM to start to rise and fall, and just while you're accelerating, Tap the brake pedal, all right? If you had a scan tool hooked up, you'd watch the car drop out of lockup, all right? But do it at 55, 60 miles an hour, light load. Tap the brake pedal. Does the problem go away? The fact that it comes out of lockup tells us that, yeah, maybe it's lockup related, transmission related, and then we can talk about that next week. You call me back and we'll go from there. Hey, coming up next, you ever wonder about fuel system problems? I did. Ron and Andy, the car doctor with Gold Eagle. Next. Don't go away. We're back right after this. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. It, we recently had a 66 Cadillac Eldorado in the shop. And I think you've heard me talk about it before. It was, we were talking about the fuel issue, right? The, the, the vehicle owner had let it sit for, well, in his mind, a very short period of time. But it was 10 months to a year was the answer I got. Personally, I think it was probably a year and a half or longer. And he learned a very expensive lesson in that I had to go through it and rebuild the carburetor. Fuel had become a problem, and rebuild the fuel pump. And 66 Cadillac Eldorado parts aren't exactly as plentiful as they once were. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether you own a classic, or it doesn't matter such as that, or whether you're owning something more modern and it has to sit. Fuel still becomes an issue. Well, I've got some answers for you. I've reached out to Matt Bannock. He is the Senior Director of Marketing at Gold Eagle. And Matt's here with us today to talk a little bit about, well, fuel and fuel stabilization and, and the do's and the don'ts. Matt, welcome to The Car Doctor. Yep, thank you for having me on. Um, let's talk about fuel. How, you know, has it changed? Well, and obviously fuel has changed since 66, but has it changed in recent times that it doesn't stay fresh as long as it once did? 
Yeah, so in the 80s and into the 90s, they started changing fuel uh, quite a bit from that 66. Um, was it Eldorado or Tornado, do you say? I forget El, now. Eldorado, yeah, Eldorado. So from that Eldorado, um, you know ethanol in the gas. So E10 gas is the most prevalent gas in the United States. It's 98% plus of the gas that's out there, which it's, it's, that's your octane booster. Uh, it's your oxygenate. It helps the, car, or the fuel run cleaner, uh, but it causes some problems. So it, it tends to make the gas go bad in as little as 30 days. Um, most people don't really know what, I mean, you know, but most people don't really realize what bad gasoline smells like or looks like. They know it. They won't know what bad milk smells like. They know that milk goes bad, but they forget that gasoline goes bad. Yeah, and it goes bad very quickly from what you're saying. Uh, you know, the stuff that came out of this tank was just, it, it just had a, a, a stink to it that, uh, you know, you couldn't help but notice. Um, is it is it just the smell that tells us when the fuel goes bad, Matt, or, or what else can happen to it? Uh, it? It darkens. So when you look at fuel, I mean, if you can get it into a glass jar or something like that, it's a lot darker than fresh gas. It's almost like a brownish color. Um, and that's that gas kind of gumming up. So that's where you're going to gum up your needle valves and your accelerator pumps and all those other things and clog up fuel filters. As that gas gets older, it gets thicker and gets less flammable. So it's not as... Uh, that's easy to use. It, it's not as combustible. Maybe that's the word, right? It, does, it doesn't have the pop yeah. it once had. Um, yeah, it's, it, as, it, as it gets older, it loses its light end, and the light end is really the pop that you're looking for. If, if, if that happens, if the, if the fuel does go brown and does go bad, does the system have to be flushed? Can it just be drain out the old and put in fresh new? Uh, you know, is there, is there a procedure, or just it's catch-as-catch-can, whatever works? Um, I mean, all, I mean <clears throat> there's no... 100% this is exactly what you need to do. I mean, if you want to ask best practice, I mean, best practice is drain as much of the gas out as you can, put fresh gas in, fresh stabilized gas in, and then you can uh, run that through the system. Sometimes you can, you can top off. It just depends on how bad the gas has gone. That's that's the challenge. You need to stabilize or treat your gas when it's fresh. Once it starts getting old, you, you kind of don't know where you're at. So it makes it uh, difficult to put one one thing on it, but if you just drain it and start fresh, that's the best. If, if, if you do drain it and, you know, start with fresh, if you put fuel stabilizer in, does that help the, the, the tank condition at that point? Is it, will, will the stabilizer <laughs> help the old gas and the new gas kind of combine together and eventually burn out? Um, I mean, it's, it'll help clean. Um, there's some water removers in it that helps if there's any water in the old gas, it'll help, it, help pull it through, but it's, and it restores some of the light ends of the fuel, which helps it burn. Uh, but if, if you had, I don't know, say half a tank of older gas that's not terribly old, like maybe six months to a year old, and then you top it off with fresh gas, you're probably okay, but you really want to run it through as quick as you can to get a full fresh tank of gas in right. it. Right. Is there, a, is there a difference, you know, I'm thinking about the landscapers and the guys that store mowers and then the snow blowers and you know back and forth every six months one it's one or the other um are there different fuel issues in two cycle engines versus four cycle engines um i mean they have they have the same issues but the issue you have additionally with two stroke is i mean they're they're tiny carburetors typically i mean they clog up very easy and any outdoor power equipment like that but i mean handheld wheat trimmers are very susceptible to it so that gum and varnish is bad for them but also ethanol tends to attract water, and it brings that water into the system and suspends the fuel. So obviously water and oil don't mix, so it's, it's even more, more important to be careful with your two-strokes because you don't want to get, have damage your walls, your cylinders, your rings, or anything like that. Right. 
So then can you use an additive, you know, stable? Let's talk about stable, right? Can you use stable in a, in a, in a two-stroke just like you can in a four-stroke? Is it, is, is it beneficial to both? Yeah, you can run it in two, stro- two strokes or four strokes. I mean, the, all of our gas additives that we make work in any gas. Uh, we have an ethanol treatment, and then we have just a regular fuel stabilizer. Uh, we do make separate additives for diesel, though. Is there, you know, you say additive. Um, everybody runs additives in their in their gasoline today. Is there a need for a specific additive today? Is there something the gasoline is lacking that the additive provides? Um, so, I mean, every, everything's a cost, right? So they're, the gas manufacturers are doing their due diligence to create a product for you that's going to last for most people out there. So if it's designed to go in your car, your lawnmower, your boat, whatever it may be, and be used. It's not necessarily designed to sit there for long periods of time. So if you're going to you're going to change the plan and let it sit in there for periods of time. That's when you want to add more of the antioxidant that Stable has in there, that, which protects the fuel and keeps it fresh longer than yeah. the gas manufacturers planned on. Right. So there, yeah, obviously a benefit. Hey, Matt, I appreciate you taking the time with us today. Is, is there a place the listeners can go for more information? Yeah, I would. Uh, our website's got tons of information for best practice on storing things or answering. I mean, kind of all the questions we talked about. It's uh, goldeagle.com. And okay. Can, we have blogs and everything there. Cool beans. Matt, once again, thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, um, we're glad to have you with us today. Well, thank you very much. Good, look, good luck with the Eldorado. Yeah, I'll, you know, we'll be uh, tuned in. We'll, I'll tell you how that ends up. We're still working on it. It's a little bit of a big restoration. But thanks again, Matt. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Once again, thanks to Matt Bannock and the folks over at Gold Eagle. Great interview and a lot of off-air banter regarding uh, you know, stable and the, the problems with gasoline and how stable helps to correct that we know they're hard at work to stay current with the fuel situation. Because one thing we know is fuel is always changing, right? Fuel is always evolving. And uh, companies like Gold Eagle and Stable Brand uh, are there to help us uh, with our fuel problems, uh, fuel storage issues on the uh, older cars as well as newer cars. You know, you go away for a month. You should be putting a bottle of stable in the gas tank, uh, go away on vacation. Uh, within 30 days, as Matt pointed out, it, it loses its pop and it can affect overall quality and fuel systems on newer cars. Listen, the 66 Eldorado we were speaking about, you know, that was, I mean, nuts and bolts parts. And, and I was able to find the pieces I need and it wasn't terribly expensive. But I couldn't imagine having to replace the equivalent on a late model something with injectors and a and a fuel pump and a gas tank and you know it's it's the cost factor is just huge. So a little bit of fuel stabilizer goes a long long way. Let's go over to the phones. Let's go over and talk to Ken in New Hampshire, 2013 BMW. Ken, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi. Uh, thank you for taking the call. You're welcome. Um, I recently, within the past year, purchased a pre-owned uh, 2013 uh, BMW X5. Okay. And um, I've tried to take good care of it. It's uh, low mileage, 50,000 miles for 2013. What I ran into is uh, the battery died, so I went down to the BMW dealer, and they replaced the battery and gave me a bill for $500. Okay. And I said, $500 for a battery? And they said, well, we have to reprogram it with a new battery. Okay, I paid the bill. Then about a month later, I said, um, I want to get a hitch put on the car. What will that cost? And they said, $1,600. I said, 1600 for a hitch? Why? Well, we have to reprogram it to let the car know, the computer know, that at some times it will be pulling a load. So I said, forget about the hitch. I wanted to know, is, is this 
factual? I mean, do I really need it programmed? Yes. When it gets new bit, yes. Yeah. Um, what happens is, so we'll talk about the battery first. So BMW, like a lot of vehicle manufacturers, have a BSM or a battery service monitor. They will alternate or change or tune, if you will, is maybe the better word, the charge rate and how the alternator reacts to the battery based on the battery. Each battery is a little different, right? No, no two batteries are like snowflakes and children. None of them are the same, right? They're not identical. Um, having raised three kids, I'm qualified to say that. Uh, you know, having worked on cars all these years and looked at differences in batteries, you'll, you'll, you'll see different things. And what they're doing is they're programming the capacitance and the resistance values of that battery. And it's, it's, not, it's not like this big programming exercise, Ken. It's just that, you know, listen, they've got the scan tool. They, you know, it's, it's, they, they kind of have you over a barrel. I mean, no other way to say it. It's, and that's what they choose to charge. Now, out of that, how much was the battery? The battery had to be two fifty, three hundred bucks, as a guess. And uh-huh. they probably charge upwards of an hour and a half to do the install and the programming plus tax. There's your five hundred bucks. So yeah, it's you know, listen, it's a BMW. Look at the driving experience, right? So. Um, the trailer hitch. The trailer hitch, now that's $1,600. How much of that is actual the hitch, the wiring, and then the programming? And the programming involved is that they have to go through. And my understanding on BMW, that model year and a lot of the model years is, let's say there's 110 computers on that vehicle. All right? It's probably not a, not an impossible reach, although an X5 isn't. Uh, super. I'm thinking of the 7 Series Beamers. I know there's well over 100 processors. But if the computer they have to get to is number 48, they have to go through the first 47 to get to it. They just can't go to it. To, and it's the, way they're, it's the way BMW programs their vehicles. And, uh, you know, while I haven't done a lot of BMWs of that generation, I've read the stories, the reports, and I hear the horror shows of... You know, this is why a BMW tech at a dealership has two bays, one for programming and one for, you know, other service work, other repair work, because it's not unusual to bring a BMW into a dealer, hook up a scan tool, and leave it on for programming, and it takes eight, nine, ten hours. It has to go through each individual programmer or each individual computer to get the job done. Um, You know, it's just the way they choose to run their vehicles and their systems. But they are correct. They are being honest in that, yeah, they have to go through and tell the, uh, whichever computer they want to talk to that, yeah, now there's a trailer hitch. And I don't know if it's so much for the hitch itself as it is for the uh, um, that there's brake lights and wiring to turn on the function to allow the wiring harness that's going to feed the trailer, whatever you're towing, to make those lights operate as well. Crazy, right? It is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it really uh, puts a different spin on the, the value of it. Tell me, is... is do you have to go to a BMW to have that expertise done? No, but you do have to go to someone that, for example, here in New Jersey, there's a few BMW specialists, and that's mm-hmm. all they do. And the reason that's all they do is because that, that dealer-level scan tool, um, I hear I hear rumors. I've heard stories of $23,000, and I know for a fact one of the guys I know spent close to $16,000, and then the annual updates run upwards of... 900 to two grand a year depending upon which software level they buy and you know how often they buy it and so on so the cost of subscription is expensive but again bmw you know what bmw stands for don't you 
Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Bavarian money waster. And after owning one, you sort of understand that. It's, uh, yes, uh, yes, you know, I see that it's, now. It's, 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 but they are rocket ships, and um, you know, it is a self-driving experience. I've heard rumors that if you sell your BMW, buy a Chevrolet, it's like getting a raise at work because you can, uh, you, you can afford to actually eat groceries and go shopping and things like that now. Um, so, but, uh, well, yeah, tough call. Well, I trust you, so I'm glad I called. I'm glad you did too, sir. But in all seriousness, enjoy the car for what it is. You know, talk okay. to them. You may want to find a BMW specialist in your neck of the woods just to get a second opinion because, you know, kind of being held hostage is it's, it's, it's not a good advantage for you. So, no, it isn't. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, sir. Enjoy the car Thank if you can. You. You're welcome. You Thank take you good very care. much. You're very welcome, sir. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on an of the car doctor. Let's close things out with an email. This one comes to us from David in Baltimore, Maryland. Ron, I've got a 2005 Ford Explorer that I've had several alternators replaced because the charging system light continues to be on, and I've had no luck, and every repair shop I go to just keeps swapping alternators out. Can you tell me anything about this particular problem? Is there any more diagnosis that can be done? The vehicle does operate, but I'm tired of looking at this light. David, Baltimore, Maryland. David. 2005, mid-04, 5, 6, that generation, Explorer, Mercury Mountaineer, all seem to suffer from this malady. It's not an uncommon fault. And I can tell you this, there are some very specific tests that need to be done looking at wiring from the alternator to the vehicle powertrain control module or PCM, making sure proper signal is getting to where it's going to. It's not an involved test. It's actually quite simple and can be diagnosed correctly and uh, confidently in under 30 minutes. It really can because it's just a matter of measuring voltage uh, on several wires to and from. The PCM is looking for a voltage signal change on one particular wire. It wants to see it go from 8 to 9 volts down to 0 so that it knows the alternator is charging. And when it doesn't, it turns on that check charging system error message, and it knows that there's an issue. My experience has been that depending upon the quality of the alternator, will dictate whether or not that light is successfully turned off. And, and, and here's the argument for using a good quality part, right? In that I've seen, and I'll, I'll say it like this, I've yet to see an aftermarket alternator that works for any length of time, if it works at all with this particular vehicle, because it just seems like it's a very touchy situation. Um, whether Ford spec'd it to a particular point and no one's able to come up to that spec, or whether the, the cores that are out there are so beat up and old, it just makes the case for using, in this case, use a Motocraft alternator. Listen, Motocraft parts um, are simply becoming a case of plug-in, they work, and you're down the road. And you will find that Motocraft parts meet and exceed factory spec because they're designed for Ford vehicles. So take it back to a repair shop. If they tell you it's an alternator, tell them to get out to Motocraft.com, read the works, and possibly get that alternator changed with a Motocraft part. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. Wow.